that's when I realized, oh, we have got to make change. This can't happen again. It can't happen to anyone else and it shouldn't be happening. And so that's when I really became more involved in the process of making change. What would it mean if every patient had an advocate or loved one at their side when they needed that support the most? Let's talk all about it right here with Emmy Baldwin, the founder of Poppy's Purpose, right here on episode 364 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello there. This is Nurse Keith. This podcast is all about you, your personal development, your professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, very frequent diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people that I find out there. I love having you along for the ride. And thanks from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you find value in the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. It really helps support the show, even if you pledge $2 a month to help out with the costs of creating this show for you. So patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith, please consider signing up. And you can also support the show and Nurse Keith Coaching by referring yourself, your neighbor, your gerbil, anybody for holistic career coaching with me. Sign up by emailing me at keith at nursekeith.com for a complimentary chat. And if you mention Emmy Baldwin or you mention Poppy's Purpose or the show itself, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. So like I said, we are here on episode 364 with Emmy Baldwin of Poppy's Purpose. The show notes where you can learn all about her and her mission are going to be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 364. So Emmy, there's so many questions I want to ask you. And I really want to begin with the question of what's the story behind your desire to make sure that every patient in a hospital in the United States can always have access to an advocate or loved one when they need them? Of course. So November or actually October of 2020, my grandfather was diagnosed with COVID-19 and was hospitalized. He had great care, so nothing against the hospital staff or any of them. He was had the absolute best care possible. But my family and I were completely shut out. Um, this was very new to us because I'm a very close-knit family. I live on a small family farm, so we were used to seeing each other every single day. So the little over three weeks that my grandfather was in the hospital it was really hard just knowing that he was in there alone, trying to overcome this battle, and we were standing outside the hospital door. So that's really how it all came to be is when my grandfather became sick and then ultimately ended up passing away without one of us by his side. I'm very sorry for your family's, you know, what sounds like a very um, significant loss and one that a lot of people have experienced either from COVID or any other disease because people die of lots of other things too. Right. And the pandemic added this certain layer of fear and anxiety and separation. I mean, my dad died on his 90th birthday, May 5th, 2020, in the hospital. He didn't have COVID, but he had severe dementia and renal failure and heart failure and died in the hospital by himself because his wife and my brother, who were nearby, couldn't go see him. So I, I share that with you. Um, so, he wasn't 
uh, he didn't have COVID, but he died in the midst of the the pandemic, right? There was just my dad and your grandfather were caught in that same web, right? So yeah. a lot of people can relate to that. And I bet you there's a lot of nurses listening who were working in that environment and were experiencing what we would call the moral injury of knowing that the family member should be there with the patient, but couldn't be. So that's a whole nother conversation. Exactly. And you, when this happened, were you already in nursing school? I was, I was. You so were. I actually started nursing school right when the pandemic began. I started oh, in wow. January when the pandemic began in what March. timing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great awesome timing. timing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you were already in nursing school. So your eyes were like, really wide open to what was going on. And were you in the midst of face-to-face clinicals at the time, or had that already been shut down? At the time we were still doing face-to-face clinicals. It was kind of different. Sometimes during the middle of the semester, we'd get shut down for two weeks or at the end of the semester for two weeks. But for the most part, we were still doing face-to-face clinicals. So I actually got to see both sides of it as a nurse and as a family member. And so I saw the hurt from the inside of the patients wanting to have a familiar face in the room with them. I saw the hurt of the nurses and the doctors and the rest of the staff wanting them to be able to have that family member with them. And then as a family member, I saw the hurt from the outside of not being allowed to be in with my family member. Wow. Okay. So in that context, being a patient, I mean, being a nursing student, and seeing it from the inside and witnessing the healthcare providers that you were working with and, and kind of who are your mentors, right? And your preceptors. So what were you thinking in that moment or those moments when you realized what was going on and then layer on top your grandfather falling ill and being in the hospital? Like, were you... Were you angry? Were you sad? Were you frustrated? Like what, what was going on for you in those moments? Before my grandfather was hospitalized, it was more feelings of just heartbreak. And I wish there was something I could do, but I really didn't know what to do. And then just not fully understanding it because I wasn't in their shoes. And of course we have to have empathy and we try to understand, but it's hard unless you've been in those shoes. And so once I became that family member that was shut out, that didn't get to have the access um, that didn't get to be in there where my grandfather entered into his eternal home. That's when I realized, oh, we have got to make change. This can't happen again. It can't happen to anyone else and it shouldn't be happening. And so that's when I really became more involved in the process of making change. Okay. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Some nurses get involved in advocacy, you know, politically, legislatively, et cetera. And I know you did. So what were your first steps when you decided, okay, I need to do something? How did you go about doing it? And where did you turn to realize, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. How did you know what to do and what did you do? So my grandfather was actually very involved in politics here in Alabama. And so he always told us whenever we had a problem to start locally. And so that's exactly what we did. My family reached out to our local representatives um, that represented our area. And so we started with them and we were like, hey, this, this seems to happen. We need to make change. They were actually at my grandfather's funeral. And so they saw our, fir- our hurt firsthand. And so they said, of course, we are on board. Anything that you want from us, you have it. And so we started with them. We started a petition and we had over 4,000 signatures here in Alabama from um, just different citizens from across the state saying that, hey, we support this too. We want to see this change as well. And so that's how it all began was really just starting locally and then reaching out to all of our representatives here in the state. 
Yeah. And my understanding is that when you circulated this petition to allow every patient to have an advocate every day, if they needed it or wanted it, that it passed by 100% in the legislature on May 17th, 2021. Yes, it did. 100% Republicans and Democrats, which hardly ever happens now. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to see the whole bipartisan act of it and everyone actually coming together and agreeing that this is something that we needed. So this really touched people because, you know, legislators are people too. And I bet some of them have COVID, had COVID and their family members and friends and colleagues and neighbors and church members, you know, had COVID or had someone who was suffering and couldn't see their family member. You know, we know the stories, they're ubiquitous stories. So you hit the ground running did what your grandfather always told you to do because he was a politician, right? And he said, talk to your legislators. You got them on board. And so you, did you do this with help? Did you do it all by yourself? Did you recruit people? I definitely had help. Uh, This could not have happened without the whole support of my family. Uh My aunt was actually the one who wrote the majority of the bill. She was an ICU nurse for 10 years and then has been over health management, the risk side of the hospital for the last 10 years. And so she knows the hurt and she knows all the legal process behind things as well as working Mm. at health risk. And so she was a big part in making this bill happen as well. Awesome. Okay. So it's funny, your, your family just had all these connections and knowledge and expertise, and they just knew what to do. And that's pretty fantastic. And you formed an organization called Poppy's Purpose, which I mentioned in the, the opening of the show. So tell us about the organization first. Just give us the rundown. Of course. So Poppy was what I called my grandfather. So that's how it got its name, Poppy's Purpose. And all we're trying to do is continue to strengthen legislation, making sure that every single patient has a basic right that's granted to them. But in doing this, we want to make sure that everyone's being kept safe. So that's a big part of my organization is safety. And that always comes first, safety for the patient and safety for the family members. So making sure that they're wearing the correct personal protective equipment when they're going in to visit their loved ones is a big thing that I advocate for. But something my organization does is raise money for personal protective equipment. And then I donate all this money that I have that's been given to me to hospitals to pay for that. So that way it takes the burden off the hospitals. It takes the burden off the family member of is my PPE hospital regulated. And so I just kind of take that burden on my own and make sure it's dealt with beforehand because safety is so important and it's so key to this as well. Interesting. And has anyone contacted you from other states, other countries who are seeing what you're doing with Poppy's Purpose and they're like, Could you help us or you could give us advice on how we would do this too? Yeah. So I actually had a hospital in Texas reach out wanting to know just what we were doing, how we Mm -hmm. were doing it. Um, I had people from California reach out Mm -hmm. wanting to know about the bill and um, the exact purpose behind it. So I've had several different states reach out and I'm hoping this, this coming legislation session to take this to a national level. And although a bill might not get passed this legislation session, I want to be able to plant those seeds of, Hey, this is what we're doing here in Alabama. It's working. We're seeing improvements in COVID cases. We're seeing improvements in mental health with our COVID patients and with every patient. Because like you said with your dad, although he didn't have COVID, his family was still shut out. Yes. So patients all across the board, not just COVID patients who are definitely being blessed by this bill. And so I want this to be something that 
everyone in the United States have. So they all have this basic right given to them. That's beautiful. Yeah. And is Poppy's Purpose a 501c3 nonprofit? It is not. We have been trying to work on that. It can't be, from what we understand, if you're trying to change legislation, you can't be considered a nonprofit. So all the function as a nonprofit, every money that's given me gets poured right back into the hospitals. We don't profit anything from it. We're not technically allowed to be granted that title um, because we are trying to change legislation. I see. Okay. So you can't take tax deductible donations and things like that because of the kind of political legislative yeah. agenda, right? I wish we could. I wish that we could make it a nonprofit. That would be my end goal, but mm-hmm. changing legislation comes first. Yeah. I have to make sure that every patient has um, the right access and the right care first. So hopefully one day we'll get there. Yeah. And also I just had this thought that maybe down the road, you could form a nonprofit that has a related purpose and mission, but isn't directly um, tied to a legislative agenda, but it might be raising money for like uh, patients themselves or, or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It might be like Poppy's purpose might have like a sister nonprofit that does (laughs) something else that, you know, kind of ties it all together. Right. Mm -hmm. But it gets you into that nonprofit world. You know, that would be really interesting. And I want to ask you, um, a lot of nurse leaders and people through the years have talked about that nurses do have a voice and that they can speak up. And we do have, I think right now we have three members of Congress who are nurses, I think. Um, We've never had a nurse who was, you know, in the cabinet. We've never had a nurse vice president or president. I hope that they could come someday because that adds a certain way of thinking, right? We've had a lot of doctors in politics and in legislative bodies. So what are your feelings? And you are a nursing student now. You're graduating in May of 2022. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We'll talk about that too. But what's your feeling about what a nurse is capable of when it comes to advocating for change? Like, what do you, what have you learned so far that being a nurse, like, does that give you an edge? I think, I think it definitely does. I think people need to realize the power that they have behind their voice. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it until my grandfather passed away is that I do have this power Mm -hmm. and it's just formulating how to use it. And so I think that's where nurses need more help. It's just we know we have this power, but how can we actually use it for change and use it for good? I think sometimes we think, oh, we're just nurses. We're not doctors. We're not nurse practitioners, whatever the case may be. We think that we're less than, but we're not. And so we need to recognize that power that we have behind our voice. We need to be able to recognize that we can make change and we can make change for good. That's really great. And you just said something uh, that I noted about how people say, oh, I'm we're just nurses, we're not doctors. And I've written about and talked about how when it comes to nurses that I believe just is a four-letter word because it diminishes us. And it, it's a real habit among a lot of nurses to say, oh, I'm, I'm just a bachelor's prepared nurse, or I just have a master's degree, or I'm just a med surge nurse, or I'm just a school nurse. you know. And I'm like, no. And you can't even say I'm just a nurse's aide because a nurse's aide is a very important person Mm -hmm. in the scheme of things. So you're right. 
and there are people out there, there are nurses out there who understand this dynamic and who work hard at teaching nurses how to advocate. Like here in New Mexico, which happens in a lot of other states as well, we have a legislative day for nursing students and professional nurses during the legislative session. And we bring them there. We teach them how to talk to the representatives. We go sit in committees and watch bills being passed and advocate for bills. So it does happen, but I think we all get caught up in our daily lives. And I mean, legislative advocacy doesn't necessarily fall on the agenda on the whiteboard or on your refrigerator list of things to do for the day. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you feel is the most important thing for other nursing students? Because you're a nursing student to understand about how they can get involved in ways like this and actually affect change. And you did this kind of single handedly. Um, what do you think they need to know about themselves, and how do they how do they get in touch with the sense that they actually can do something positive like this. Right. So I think first for me, I did have kind of an unfair advantage. I grew up in a political family. So it was kind of true. It was kind of firsthand for me, but for my classmates, I just really encouraged them. First, you have to get involved in politics. You need to understand politics in order to make change in the political world. So get involved is always the first step. And then know who you're electing. You want to put someone in that you know will make change for you and on your behalf. So have those personal relationships. Go to meetings. Become more involved. Actually know who you're electing and not just voting for someone to vote for them. And so I think that's the second thing is just really understanding who you're putting into office because they represent you. And so you want to be represented well. And then lastly, just reaching out to them. Your local representatives love to talk to you, at least from what I understand for mine, they love when people reach out to them and they're like, Hey, this is what we want to see change in our community because that's who they're representing. It's you. And so they want to know what you want. And so just not being afraid to pick up the phone or emailing and saying, Hey, this is what's happening. And I want to see change. And I have all these people behind me supporting me. So can we do it? And normally they're really good to reach back out and be like, of course, this is the next steps we can take, or we can't do that right now because of this and this, but this is what we can do. And so those are just like the the basic three things that I tell everybody. It's just one, get involved, know who you're electing, and then don't be afraid to reach out. I think you're right. And here in New Mexico, for instance, it's a small place relatively, and Santa Fe is a pretty small city. And when it's not legislative session, especially I've seen firsthand how, you know, our local reps and, you know, their state reps, the state senators that they're willing to meet with constituents for coffee. Like they'll, especially now that the pandemic's, you know, quieting down, they'll actually meet with you if you want to sit and chat. And I've been told directly by legislators that Emails are okay. Like they get tons and tons of emails and those are okay. They they don't give as much weight to emails that they know are being copied and pasted, like just kind of like a, um, kind of a, um, what would you call it? Like you're just taking something some organization has sent you and you're just putting your name something on it. Something very formal. They, they like personable things. They, they do. Like they like stories. Story. They yes, like stories. Exactly. And they really, really do appreciate if you write them a letter and send it in the mail, it has Mm -hmm. this different kind of psychological and emotional impact. It doesn't have to be handwritten, but getting a letter in the mail means a lot to them. And phone calls mean a lot because you're taking the time to call. And I've had 
legislative aides tell me, you know, when we get a call about an issue, we assume that that person is one out of maybe 500 who actually really cares about that, but they're only one who called. So we know that that represents more than just that one person. So it really does have an outsized impact, but we just don't realize it. And I think too, like you said, those personal stories, they really love personal stories because it makes them realize, oh, this is actually happening. And as nurses, we are full of personal stories. And so I think that gives us the upper hand um, mm-hmm. when it comes to making legislative changes that we do have those personal stories. Yeah. Now, there, there's some stories I want to I want to elicit from you after the break. So I have some questions for you about some things you're going to be involved in. Um, this year and after. So can we dig deep into those after we come back? Of course. All right. So hang out here with us and we'll be back with Emmy Baldwin of Poppy's Purpose for the second half of the Nurse Keith Show, episode 364. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember the show notes where you can learn all about Emmy Baldwin and Poppy's purpose will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 364. We're here again with friend of the pod and my new friend, Emmy Baldwin. And Emmy, prior to the break, we're talking about legislative agendas and, you know, how to get out there and use your voice and, you know, all that stuff that we were talking about. And the first question I have for you is since you come from a political family and your aunt who is a nurse helped write this bill and your grandfather was a longtime politician in the Republican party in Alabama, et cetera, I have to ask you probably a question you've been asked before is would you ever consider running for office? So this used to not be a question I would get, but it is definitely a question I get now. Sorry to be so common and pedestrian, (laughs) but I had to ask. No, it's okay. As of right now, this part of life that I'm in, I would not consider it. I love being in the background picture and lobbying. Um, Being a politician does not seem to be my calling as of right now. I'm ready to enter into the workforce as a nurse. 
um, and have all that that comes with, but we'll see maybe, maybe like 20 years from now. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Down, down the road, right? Down the road, down the road. Yeah. Okay. So there's a story I want to ask you about, and it's that you're competing in Miss Alabama on July yes. 2nd, 20, 2022. And this story about Poppy's purpose and your grandfather is part of your platform. So first, just what's it like to compete in something like the Miss Alabama pageant? What's that experience? So it's part of the Miss America organization, which is yes. the leading scholarship provider for women across this nation, which is really cool. Um, after this summer competing, I'm hoping to say that I'll graduate completely debt-free and have money to apply towards grad school with the scholarships I've received from the Miss America organization. Wow. This is really cool and that it's empowering us to continue our education and to go farther than what we ever thought we could. So just that side of it's completely neat. And then it's just given me a voice. Um, every every candidate competing in the Miss America organization has to have what we call a social impact initiative or a platform. Mm -hmm. And mine is Poppy's Purpose, advocating for patient rights, which is giving me more of a voice and more of a platform to advocate for these rights on in, for individuals. Interesting. And you, I'm sure you've heard the story of the nurse who was in Miss America and who came out in scrubs for her, you know, per performance, so to speak. And she was wearing a stethoscope and the women on the view were making fun of her, the, the talk show and for wearing a doctor's stethoscope. And that's where the whole show me your stethoscope movement happened. So you've heard that story. Um, I actually have not heard oh, of this story. This is something I'm going to have to look into. She's been on my show. And um, ah, okay. yeah, it's it sparked an entire movement, which is called Show Me Your Stethoscope, which became a 501c3 nurse advocate advocacy organization. Wow. Yeah, raising women's uh, nurses' voices because the women on The View made the mistake of saying, why is that woman wearing a doctor's stethoscope? And the whole thing became Show Me Your Stethoscope because nurses use them too. We actually really <laughs> yes, do. every day. <laughs> yeah, every day. They're not just props, right? And she was in the Miss America pageant and she was using a story about a patient as um, her platform. She was telling the story of of that. So I'll have to send that to you. Yeah, And I'll have to remember to put that in the show notes. <laughs> And I can't recall her name at this very moment. So you're using this platform to talk about this and the Miss Alabama. So this is, this is obviously you're running for Miss Alabama. And if you won that, you would go on to the Miss America pageant. And when does the Miss America pageant happen itself? The big one. Miss America, it's kind of changed around. I think now they're having it in December. Mm -hmm. So it'll be December of 2022. So I compete for Miss Alabama this summer, and then I'd have several months to prepare for Miss America. And is this the first time you've done this? Is this a new endeavor for you? This is my technically my second go around, but my third year in the Miss America organization. Um, I won my first prelim three years ago to compete for Miss Alabama, but it got canceled due to COVID uh, and yes. everything else. So we just had it last summer and then I'll compete again this summer. I see. Okay. And have you met any other nurses or nursing students in this process who are also involved in the Miss America world? Yes. So several candidates actually competing for Miss Alabama last year and several this year are actually nursing students. So it's really cool that we're all connected through the Miss America organization. That's fascinating. So 
<laughs> so you've met other nurses and do you, is there, there must be a certain camaraderie that happens among the women and among those who share different, different backgrounds. So what is it like to be part of this organization? Cause there's, it's a competition, right? Yes. So we acknowledge that, but it sounds like there's a lot of, a lot of support and camaraderie, isn't there? There definitely is. It's, I know this sounds very cliche, but it is definitely a sisterhood. Um, I never had sisters growing up. So it's really nice now that I have a plethora of sisters. Um, and so it's just really cool because although we are competing, we're all competing for the exact same title, the exact same job. We're all still supporting each other. And so we're just as happy when someone does well as we are when we do well. And so it's just really cool getting to be a part of that. And although, of course, it is a competition, we're also supporting one another and we want everyone to do their absolute best. Um, so it's just really cool getting to be a part of that. It's not when I first started competing, it's definitely not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it'd be catty and people wanting to one up you, but it, it's not that at all. It's very much a sisterhood and everyone is just proud of you. Every single milestone that you accomplish. I see. Yeah. So you, you're finding yourself that this is very empowering experience yes. that is, you're really learning a lot from this experience. Yes, for sure. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I just looked it up on Buzzfeed and I found it was Miss Colorado, Kelly Johnson. She oh, was okay. second runner up in Miss America pageant 2015. And I'll have to see if I can introduce oh. you to her. Yes. Um, yes. I would love to. Yeah. And there's a great YouTube video of what she did in her purple scrubs as her, her talent portion mm -hmm. of the, um, of this. So I think you two have a lot in common and it might be really interesting for y'all to meet. Yes, it would. I would yeah. love that. That's really cool. Now I just want to pivot for a second to nursing school. Mm -hmm. So you started nursing school. Is this a bachelor's program? Yes, right? it is. Yeah. You started right before the pandemic began, <laughs> which we said was awesome timing. Um, yes. So what would you say about your nursing school experience in general? Like what's the big picture? I have loved every single second of it. It's definitely something you have to have a heart for though. It's, it's a big time commitment. Um, it can definitely take a toll on you mentally, but it's definitely worth it if you know that's what you want to do and you have the heart and the passion for it. Um, this is something that I've always known that I wanted to do. I've always known I wanted to enter the medical field ever since I was a little girl. And so I, I have loved every single second of it, just getting to push myself to the next level and furthering my education has been incredible. Mm. And what clinicals have you enjoyed? Like what's really kind of um, lit your fire? So I, I love the NICU with the little mm -hmm. baby. That is what I want to do. I want to become a neonatal nurse practitioner. Oh, um, nice. Okay. So the NICU babies have my heart. Uh, mm -hmm. I love every single ICU setting and ER. I like to think on my feet. Um, I love connecting the map of what could be going on and using my critical thinking skills. So those have mm -hmm. definitely been my favorite rotations. But the little NICU babies have my heart. <laughs> That's sweet. So you like that that notion of working with the neonates and it sounds like you also like the, the, um, the intellectual problem solving part of yeah. it, like the, the critical care where you really have to use your, your brain to puzzle things through. You really like that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And were you, um, a science person, like in high school, were you really into sciences or did this happen kind of post secondary school that you became interested in these sorts of subjects? 
So I wasn't necessarily interested in science stuff mm-hmm. in high school, um, but my junior year, then my junior year, I had the opportunity to job shadow a neonatal nurse practitioner. And within five minutes of being there, I actually got to see a C-section. And so it's kind of crazy, <laughs> but I knew watching breath or lap take its first breath from that yeah. moment on, I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And so that's when I came more interested um, in sciences and just in nursing itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. So yeah. do you plan to go directly to master's program or is it going to be a doctoral program? For I'm going to do the doctoral route. Yes. And um, that way I can go back and teach later if I want to. And they're encouraging most nurse practitioners now to go ahead and take the doctoral route because it's all an extra year. So yeah, that's the they route are. I'm planning to take. I would love to go directly through with it just to get it done with and mm-hmm. be done with school. Yeah. But they do require that you work at least two years, which I think is smart to have that floor experience and to know more of the hands-on stuff. Um, so I definitely wouldn't want to go straight through anyways, even if that was an option. I'd want to work for at least a little bit first to get my feet wet. Um, so that's the plan is to work a year or two and then apply. I think that's a good idea. And, yeah. you know, and I always talk to students and nurses who are going through these processes that in the time you're working before you apply to a master's or doctoral program, you know, get involved in extra things like committees, projects, initiatives, um, you know, in informatics initiatives, something like show some sort of leadership or initiative that you're going above and beyond just like doing your job. And that can really help when you're applying to a program like that, that you've something to differentiate you from the other applicants, basically. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's exciting. And just pivoting back again to Poppy's purpose. So where do you see the organization going? What would you like? What are you doing now? And what do you think the next steps are? You can't become a nonprofit. So where do you think this this needs to head? So right now I'm just continuing to raise funds for personal protective equipment. Like I mentioned earlier, we've actually raised okay. almost $30,000. Oh, um, so yeah, it's been really cool getting to see the outpouring of support from the community surrounding me. So that's been awesome. Um, secondly, the biggest thing that I'm trying to accomplish right now is strengthening this bill in Alabama. So there are kind of not necessarily loopholes in it, but hospital organizations are giving us pushback saying that they're following federal law and this is not a federal law. So we're working to strengthen the bill here in Alabama. And then right now, my big overall goal is to make this a federal law, to make it to where every single state in the U.S. has the same rights that we have here in Alabama. I see. So there's there's some processes ahead for you. And yes. you're so strengthening legislation means looking at the different pieces, whether you call mm-hmm. them loopholes or whatever, they're just weak parts of the bill yes. that mm-hmm. you can talk to your legislators and see what can be done to kind of patch that up, right? I yeah, yeah. said so that we started that and it's actually going really well. So I'm looking forward to this legislation session. Good. Well, I look forward to hearing about this and about, you know, other states that adopt it, other organizations that come to you or get formed in the wake of this. And, you know, it might become a real kind of national movement that becomes comes from the grassroots, but then kind of works its way into Washington. So that should be really fascinating. And I, I hope to have you back on when, you know, it gets passed and signed into law nationally. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be exciting. So $30,000, that's really great. And if people want to donate, 
do they just go to Poppy's Purpose, the website? Is that where yeah. they donate? There is a link on the website that will go straight to us. So that's exactly where you can do it. And that's poppiespurpose.org. And I know you're on um, Facebook and you're on Instagram. So we'll make sure those are in the show notes. And, you know, I like to end every show these days. I've been beta testing this and I think it's working. I have um, four different questions that I like to ask my guests. And the answers are all really fascinating. So I think they elucidate something from, from my guests. And the first one is, how do you define success? I think success is different for every single person. Success for me would be getting this bill to a national level, graduating from nursing school. I'm just hitting all those goals that I've put in my life would be success for me. But for each person, it's different. But I think it all comes down to just doing our best, even though we might fail or what society says is fail, Mm -hmm. how we get back up from that failure is success. Mm -hmm. And so I think just getting back up, continuing to fight fight for what you believe in is success. I like that. That's really powerful and clear. Okay. And how would you describe one person who's really inspired you in the course of your life? Anyone at all? Okay. I would, I would pick my gran. She has shown us what true strength is. She lost the love of her life and they've been married over 50 years. And through this, she has just come out on the other side. She is the strongest woman I know. And it completely inspires not just me, but my whole family and people surrounding us to get up every day and to have purpose in our lives. And so I think that is a big thing that each individual needs to have is purpose, something to look forward to each day, something to live for each day. And it's something that my grandmother shows us each and every day when she gets out of bed is just to truly have purpose and to truly be strong in what you believe in. That's lovely. That's lovely. And the next question is, is there a book or a movie, could be either one, that has had a major impact on maybe the way you think or the way you live your life? I can't think of just necessarily right off the top of my head a specific book or movie Mm -hmm. that I would base my life off of. But my favorite book is a children's book that my dad wrote for me and for my brothers when we were what? younger. It's all bedtime no. stories that he would tell us. Really? It's called Beetle Dan and the Big Purple Slide. My dad used to tell us adventures of Beetle Dan every night before bed. And so this book is all about overcoming your fears and not, not giving into peer pressure and standing up for what you believe in. And I think that's something that we can all base our lives off of is just truly not giving into fears and standing up for what we believe in. And so that that's probably one of my favorite books. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be a one, a party, going to want to be a part of your family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, did your dad actually like write this book down? Yes. Yeah, so we actually have hard copies of it during America week. Every week I go and read it to different elementaries. You do? Oh my <laughs> yes. God. So your dad kind of self-published this book and just mm-hmm. has printed off copies and you go to elementary schools just in your area and read it to them? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that definitely falls in the category of a book that's affected the way you think and live your life. I mean, that's I, everyone's going to want to join your family. So, if, you know, you, you better like, cool. yeah, that's cool. Okay. We do a little bit of it all. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Children's books, politics. Wow. Okay. Now, last question. What's a piece of advice you would give your 17 or 18 year old self finishing high school at this point in time, whether you think she would actually listen or not. 
<laughs> I think I would tell myself to recognize the power behind my voice sooner. I didn't recognize it until I was older and working with this bill that I can make change in this world. And so just recognizing that I have that power now and that I had it as a five-year-old, I have it as a 20-year-old, I will have it as a 60-year-old, and that I had that same power um, that I did when I was 21 and 22 working on creating legislation. And so just recognizing that sooner would have been um, just made such a big impact in my life, knowing that I can make change across this state and across this world, just as me, mm-hmm. because I have power behind my voice. And so that's what I would, any advice I would give, not just to my 17 year old self, but to every young person. That's really great. And you now have a platform from which you actually can inspire a lot of 16, 17, even younger girls especially who aspire to do something like you're doing like miss america for instance so you have this opportunity and this platform to show them what you're actually capable of and what they're capable of so that's really beautiful exactly yeah yeah well emmy i'm so glad you reached out to me and i'm so glad you and i got to meet um some weeks ago and chat and have you on the show and I really want you to keep in touch and let me know how the Miss Alabama goes. And I'm going to try to connect you with Kelly Johnson to Miss Colorado from 2015. I think that would be a really cool meeting of the minds, you know? So I'll see what I can do. And I'll try to remember to put her video or link to her video in the show notes for people to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show with Emmy Baldwin of Poppy's Purpose. Remember to go to poppiespurpose.org and you can donate to this PPE program to make sure that patients, families and caregivers and loved ones and advocates have the proper PPE so they can visit in the hospital. And remember, go to nursekeith.com forward slash episode 364 to check it out. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching, look no further than nursekeith.com common nurse keith coaching mention emmy or poppy's purpose or the nurse keith show and you can get 15 percent off your first coaching package and if you want to become a patron of the nurse keith show go to patreon.com patreon.com forward slash nurse keith even two dollars a month is awesome so please consider supporting the show we're a proud member of the health podcast network at healthpodcastnetwork.com the nurse keith show is adroitly produced by rob johnston of 520r podcasting and mark cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster before we say goodbye i'll leave you with this favorite quote of mine by the musician robert fripp may my living honor my parents may my living repay the debt of my existence I think that's a good one for Emmy Baldwin. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from very chilly and snowy Santa Fe, New Mexico. And the inimitable, amazing Emmy Baldwin saying goodbye from... Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama. Thank you, Emmy. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. 